it's good to be with you. It must be maybe 10 or more years since I've been uh, down in Maranatha to see you. And I'm just delighted to see you this evening. This week, um, we are going to be doing different topics. I'm just going to go as I feel led to, to bring them. But this, tonight, I'm going to look at a certain, not one topic, but an overview of different things, bringing in, obviously, of course, the gospel of saving grace. But what we want to look at this evening is something slightly different. And then as the week progresses, I would ask you to bring your family, bring your friends, invite someone and come. Because we want to look, uh, starting then tomorrow night, right through to Friday, we're going to do certain topics. Like, for example, this year, 2017, is a year for remembrance. It's, For example, it is the year of 100th anniversary of the 1917 liberation by General Allenby in Jerusalem. That's 100 years since that has happened, and we're going to speak about that, and the rise of communism and other things, and the visions of Fatima came at this time uh, while God was blessing. In other ways, the devil always tries to come against the work of God. We're going to show that during the week. We're also going to talk about the parable of the fig tree. Behold, the fig tree and all the trees of the field, the Lord Jesus says. The fig tree is a symbol of the Jewish nation back in Jerusalem. And we may take a night. We may take two nights at that. I don't know. We'll see how God leads. And then, of course, that uh, brings us um, to the 500-year anniversary this year also of the Protestant Reformation. And so we're going to show you. We will mention a little bit of it tonight. But it's just little tidbits, by the way, tonight. And what we're going to do is we're going to show you the Protestant Reformation in prophecy. And we're going to look at it in detail during the week as well. So I would advise you to do your best to come out to these. And then we're going to look at the Battle of Armageddon. And we're going to look at the nations, so like of Syria, what's happening there. We'll, uh, we're going to look at around Jerusalem. We're going to look at the Arab nations. We're going to look at Turkey. We're going to look at Russia in round there at the minute with, with America and Britain involved. And we'll be looking at that the whole week through. And we'll see where we are in the scene of time. So what time is it is the theme. And that people would know it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to pray for our nation. It's time to preach the gospel. And it's time to reach the lost. It's time to go out and let people know that Christ is coming again. And that's the idea of this mission uh, at the end of it all, is that we would see souls saved, even people restored back to Christ who have backslidden. But we would have God's people informed, or so many of God's people are not informed anymore of the Scriptures, and they're fainting and are destroyed for a lack of knowledge of what has gone on according to the Scriptures. And so we'll look at those things, Ezekiel 37 on around 38, is known as the, the Russian chapters of Ezekiel. We'll look at those, God willing, during the week as well. So tonight we're just going to do something that's a little different. And I'm going to show you some uh, types and foreshadowings. And if you'll turn with me to the book of Exodus, please. The book of Exodus. And we have two readings. Turn with me to chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Just a few verses to start with. Exodus 19, and let your eye run down to verse 7. Exodus 19, verse 7 says, And Moses came and called the elders of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. 
And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Now I let your eye go over to chapter 32. Exodus, please, chapter 32. I can be quite loud at times, so brother, if I go too loud, maybe you can just nip me down. I don't want people shrieking with the the speakers as well. Exodus 32, beginning to read at verse 1. When the people saw those delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off a goat and earrings which are in thine ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made a molten calf and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron saw it, and he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made a molten calf and have worshipped it. And have sacrificed our own to and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and make of them a, and make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou brought forth out of the land of Egypt? With great power and with a mighty hand, wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief he did, did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we just thank you, and we praise you. We worship you, and we love you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those you've brought in this evening. We ask you to bless them and encourage them. We pray that your word would find, Lord, its free course in the meeting tonight and that Christ would be exalted and lifted up may he have the preeminence 
We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a picture here in Exodus 32. And that picture is a foreshadowing, if you want, for the things that are happening today in our nation. For the things that are happening today, not only in Great Britain, but in the United States. And the things that are happening is that the people whom God hath blessed are now the people who are turning out the worst after their own sin. And the people whom God has blessed through history are now turning to other gods. They may be sports gods, religious gods. They may be idolatrous with idols in their churches or wherever it may be. But nevertheless, they're saying, These be thy gods, O Israel. And when they look at it, the Lord says, Tell the people, I'm coming again. Tell the people, I am coming from heaven. Moses is up the mountain. The people here think Moses has gone. Notice what it says in verse 1. And when the people saw Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man which brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not is become of him. They said Moses has delayed his coming. And the word delayed was not that they thought he's just taking his time. The word delayed here is the word bush. And it gives the idea that he's making us ashamed by not coming again. That he's delaying so long, it's like he's disappointing us as we're at the foot of the mountain. It gives the idea that he's peeling into insignificance and he's not coming down again to God's people Israel. And notice what they said, up and make us gods. You see, in the mind of Israel, this calf was their God. They didn't know him. They weren't close to him. And so they had a God in their mind. And in fact, they became gods themselves because they made their God whom they wanted him to be. We find that even today in the United States. Just yesterday, there were millions marching across and it was about uh, LGBT rights. It was about um, being able to uh, have abortion on demand. Millions of women, especially. Feminism was very strong among them. And they went around by Washington. They were in Chicago. Uh, They were in California. They were in New York. And they had made themselves their own god. And they worshipped the creature rather than the creator. And they came with their sin. And they shook their fist at heaven. Now what has happened in the year 2017? As I said, it's the 500 year remembrance of the Protestant Reformation. It's 100 years since Allenby liberated Jerusalem from the Turkish Ottoman Empire in 1917. But also, it's 50 years remembrance from the Six-Day War in 1967. And that's a year of Jubilee 50. It's also a year of Pentecostal spirit outpouring as well. It's a year of joy and blessing. 2017, I don't know what will happen, but I know this. It seems to be on a good course for something to happen, whether good or no. I don't know. But something I know is this seems to be a year of a climatic time. Also, we find in this year, we have the first 
anniversary of the vote for out of, out of Britain out of Europe for Brexit. This is our first anniversary from the vote has taken place. And also we find now not only with the, uh, the, the very shock of Britain voting to leave the European Union, but also we have the shock of Donald Trump becoming the 45th President of the United States. And of course things are changing all over the globe. And God is doing something. And it's all in the year 2017. Yet, in among it all, and amongst it all, you find the liberals and the lefties and all of those godless atheist commies are all standing out and stepping up now and the devil is roaring mad because God is about to do something. God is about to move. And so what we have to be aware of, brothers and sisters in Christ, is that this year is a year where we must reach our loved ones. This year is an important year. Now, no man knoweth the day nor the hour that Christ will return. But we know this with the sign of the times and reading what's happening around the nations, one thing we can tell is that he is coming soon. That the King of kings and the Lord of lords is even nigh at the very doors. We're told here that he seemed, Moses seemed to peel into insignificance. He didn't come down the mount. He seemed to make the people ashamed and disappointed. And you know, that's what's happening in the church of God, in the church of Jesus Christ. People now even in the church are denying the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They haven't got it anymore in their spirit and they haven't got it in their soul. No more do they want to teach it from the platforms in case they're put out of their church. They don't want to talk about these things because people think, well, they're just mad in that place. That preacher is a lunatic to think that Christ is returning. Brothers and sisters, I'm unashamed to believe it, to preach it and to say it, that Jesus is coming and he's coming again soon. We must be up and doing for this great event. People say, even in church circles, you're making us ashamed, Lord, because 2,000 years have passed. We'll look at it in a moment. You're, 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 you're disappointing us because people are laughing. The Egyptians, as it were, the, the unsaved and all the other nations that know not Christ, the, the Arabic and Muslim empire are laughing at the church of God. They're laughing at the church of Jesus Christ. And they're saying, if that is righteousness... If that is truth and if that is holiness, it says, then we still believe that you're off the devil. And so they think that they are right in all that they're doing. You know what the problem is with our nation? And you know what the problem is even with Islam? It's not even Islam and, our, and the people. You know what the problem is? The church is the problem. The church has died in Christ. The church has spiritually departed. And the church has become so vibrated and beaten down that no longer are the people of God willing to stand up and stand out, but rather just this week there was a great cathedral in, in England for its Bible reading, hadn't the Bible, but read from the Quran in a cathedral in England. This is what the church is any wonder there's a laughing stock among the nations. Is it any wonder that the tail is wagging the dog in these British Isles? 
and that the enemy is flooding in for God has said, my people love to have it so. We have a problem, but we have a bigger God than our problem. Our God is able when his people turn. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. The problem's with Ulster at the minute. The problem's with the Great Britain. The problem's with Ireland at the minute is this. It's not the people, for the lost don't know any better. It's the church. It's the church. Brothers and sisters, we need to get ourselves together. No longer sitting in because we feel comfortable at the fireplace. But rather, let's be up. Let's be doing. And let's be telling the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They thought Moses wasn't coming again. They were ashamed and disappointed. But the Lord seen what they had did, and they made golden calves. These be thy gods, O Israel. These be thy gods, O Israel. And our nation and the United States have many gods in many altars, in many mines, and in many homes. And that is the cry. These be thy gods, O Israel. Do you know what God is doing by the, the, the raising up, I believe, of the life of Donald Trump? Now, I don't think he's perfect. Please don't get me right, wrong here. I don't think that he's perfect by any, by any sense of the means. And by the calling out of God's people from the beast of the European Union, God is bringing brotherhood back together again. The Ephraim and Manasseh of Bible prophecy. God is raising them up again and he's saying, if you turn to me, I will bless you. And I will encourage you. Notice this, what the Lord says in Exodus chapter 19. It says, the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mount. Notice, the people saw that Moses delayed to come down. Exodus 19, 11 says, the Lord told them, tell the people, and I want you to mark this, be ready against the third day. Be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down, notice, in the sight of all the people. Notice, the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight. He didn't say, I'm going to nip down secretly. He says, I'm coming in power and glory. He says, in the third day, I'm coming down. So now what we want to look at is the importance of the third day. That's the title of our message, by the way, for the guys at the back. The importance of the third day. God says, tell Israel, sanctify themselves. Make sure they're clean. Get themselves ready because I'm coming on the third day. Let's look at this. On the third day, it would be a definite day that God would give Israel proper time to be ready. Now, there's a literal three days. You can have a prophetic three days. And we have to work out which is which. Here God says in three literal days he would come down. In chapter 19 and verse 10, notice what it says. And the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them. Notice today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Verse 11, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all their people on Mount Sinai. Do you know what God was doing here? He was going to marry Israel. 
Exodus 19, there's a wedding ceremony takes place. Moses is the officiant at the marriage. And he says, all that the Lord does, are you willing to accept him? And they say, this is paraphrasing, obviously, we do. And he says that the Lord says he will accept you and Israel become his wife. In Exodus chapter 19. So the Lord says, tell them I'm coming down in three days. Now, why three days? Because three is very important. And he was coming down on the third day. Why? To consummate the marriage. To consummate the marriage with Israel. And so he's no longer aloof, but he's down. They will see him. They will hear him. He will come and be with them. He will be one with them. And that's the idea of this. He says, I'm coming down to sign the register and to consummate the marriage with my people. Get them ready. Tell them to be prepared. Now, I'm going to take you on a journey for a few moments around the importance of the third day. The number three in Scripture is an important number. Let me give you a few examples of this. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, the apostle writes, This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Notice, Paul says, I'm coming in the, at the third time. It wasn't that Paul was saying that they had to come with two others. This is his third witness to warn the people. And so he says, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. The number two in Scripture means to confirmation or to affirm. Two means confirmation or to affirm. But three is a, is a number that strengthens or backs up that which has been confirmed. So, for example, if we look at the number three, we have a three is a solid measure. For example, the top of this pulpit here, if we just take the top lid of it, we have the surface area, the length by the breadth. That's two dimensions. But when we add the third dimension, we have the length, we have the breadth, and we have the depth of it here. You see now how it brings it from one little piece of wood to this whole pulpit area, this whole box area. See, that's what three does. For example, God is revealed to us in Scripture as Father and of Son and of Holy Spirit, as Holy Spirit. And so when we see this and we look at it like this, we see the confirmation and the strength of God revealing himself throughout the Scriptures. Notice this as well. Three, it gives the idea not only of, of, of solidity, and substantial reality. But F.W. Grant says three stands for actuality, reality, and realization. So God says on the third day, I'm going to come and they will really know me. I'm going to come on the third day and they will see me. I'm going to come in power. They won't be able to deny me on the third day. On the third day. Listen to what uh, it also means. It means that God says that if you, if you prepare them for three days, you will see the reality of my divine power and presence. Now stay with me because I'm bringing you somewhere on this. In Exodus 31 and verse 18, we're told he gave Moses, he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, 
two tables of test tables pardon me two testimony tables of stone written with the finger of God this is the register that God had given and what is the what is one of the commandments thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain and we think of well people using flippantly the name of Jesus and so on and, and, and look and that's fair enough that's okay but the reality of the meaning of that is this God was saying, if I'm marrying you and you're marrying me, when I come down and you take my name, live up to my name, he says. That's what he means. Live up to my name. Don't you, he says, disgrace my name. Live up to it. And oh, Christian, how we must live up to the name of Christ. For his name is in us and we are his bride waiting for his return at the consummation when he comes down again from the holy mount as he stands before the Father in heaven. Yes, friend, you see, this is all the uh, foreshadowing of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. Notice this also. The Lord says he would come on the third day. In Genesis 22 and verse 4, it tells us of Abraham taking Isaac at the Lord's behest and requirement to take him and to slay him at Mount Moriah. And three days journey he took before he got there. And he was to be slain on the third day. Notice this. The third day, can you imagine? Abraham is walking with Isaac. Abraham knows what's happening. Isaac is unaware of it. Can you imagine this? For three days, he's going to sacrifice his son. He's going to slay him. He's going to burn him to ash. He's going to listen and say, and I mentioned this to the people that were with us this morning. It wasn't just that he was going to slay Isaac. He was going to burn him, make him a burnt offering. And yet he said, and Isaac shall thy seed be called. And so Abraham had to believe God. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Because walking up that hill, that day there was no sign of an offering. And Abraham knew on the third day, three days out, he would slay his only son, this chosen seed of God. And as he went up, Isaac says, Father, here's the wood and there's the fire. But where's the offering? And he says, Son, the Lord will provide himself. He says he'll provide himself. God in flesh, he says, is coming. And he will provide himself. And God provided himself in the person of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he hung and bled and died on Calvary's tree. And as he's going up the mountain, there is no sacrifice. And every step it's getting closer to the death of Isaac. And every step is getting closer, but yet little did he know. Trusting in faith, the faith was, Lord, if I slay my son, the faith was, if I burn him to a crisp and he goes to ice and powder, you have said by your word that you will raise him up again, because in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And he had to believe God for this. But as he goes up the mountain, little did he know, with horns stuck in the thicket on the other side was a ram. And God had already supplied. God had met the need. Oh, when Christ came, the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sin of the world, God had already supplied the Lamb. He had already supplied a ram. And there he died in our place. There he died instead of Isaac. And there instead of you and I. Oh, there Christ died for us. And he shed his own precious blood. Moving quickly, Genesis 42 and 18. 
Joseph, Joseph's brothers, he's found uh, as the prime minister, as it were, of Egypt after uh, uh, interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, and he's doing really well. And, and here his brothers have been thrown into a prison, and he brings them out. And he brings them out, and we're told in Genesis 42 and 18, we're told, and Joseph said unto them, the third day, this do and live, for I fear God. Here he brings the captives out, and Joseph is another type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph is a lovely type of Christ, and here he is, he is disregarded, and he's cast away by his brethren and put into a pit. And sure, we're told that the Lord Jesus, he came on to his own, and his own received them not. And they cried that day at Jerusalem, Jerusalem, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. And oh, but we're told that Joseph, whenever he is there now, and he's in an exalted position, these men are before him. And what happens? He brings them up and he reveals himself unto them. I am Joseph. I am thy brother. You know when your sins nailed him to the tree, he's going to come our Goel kinsman and he's, we're going to stand before him and we will see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet and we will see the riven side and there for us the, the Savior will show that price that he paid for our redemption and he will say, oh, I am your brother. I am your kinsman. I'm the one who you didn't want. I'm the one who you cast away. I'm the one when you walked in your sin. I'm the one that wanted you. I'm the one who, whenever you're in the pubs and the clubs and you're getting up and you were doing whatever you were doing and you were fornicating, you're running around, he says, yet he says, I went to the tree for you. I am your Goel kinsman. You're redeemed by precious blood. And there's the marks in my hands, my feet and my riven side to prove that I own you. I have written thee on the palms of my hands. Uh, thou art mine. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know, brothers and sisters? What a wonderful Christ we serve. And the third day he brings them up and he says this. The third day is when Jesus will return. We're going to speak about it in a moment. Joshua chapter 1 verse 11. Joshua said to Israel, if you're ready, they come up to Jordan's river. If you're ready, there is Canaan land, the land flowing full of milk and honey. And he says, if you're ready, you'll cross over the river and you'll possess the land. You'll cross over and possess the promised land. And so it says in Joshua 1 and verse 11, Within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And we're told those who would be ready, those who would be prepared would possess the start of that embryonic kingdom of God upon the earth. Three days. Joshua says, in three days, if you want, in three days, if you're ready, in three days, if you're prepared, you'll enter the promised land. And you know, Christ is coming. The third day, we're in it. We're in it, and he's coming. And when he says, if you're ready, if you're prepared, if your garments are washed, if you're wearing the robes of righteousness, which only Christ can give, he says, in the third day, I'm coming down from the holy mount of God. And the third day, I'm coming to the earth. And the third day, I'm coming to my people. And the importance of it is this. We will see him. We will know him. We will be with him. And we will serve him in his glorious and his wonderful kingdom. We will enter into the kingdom of God when Christ comes and sets it up upon the earth notice this again here's another one we'll look at it more uh, during the week Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 
Hosea is a prophet who speaks to the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, we haven't time to go into it all, but Hosea goes to preach to the northern kingdom. They have a capital city called Samaria. And the southern kingdom is called Judah. And their capital city is Jerusalem. And Hosea, this prophet, goes up to preach. And the whole book about it, if you read the book of Hosea, the northern kingdom is called Ephraim. It's called, it's, it's called Samaria after the capital city. It's called Joseph sometimes. You see, so Joseph represents the northern kingdom. There's the literal Joseph, the son, of, the son Joseph. Then there's the, the people called Joseph. That is the northern kingdom. And of course, then he's a type of Christ as a Joseph. But notice this. Hosea goes up and he cries against their wickedness. And he says, come, let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten, he will bind us up. Notice, Hosea says, the Lord's going to tear, but he'll heal. He smite us, but bind us up. And what does he mean? As a nation, they were taken away captive by the Assyrians. They were torn, they were smitten, and they were only healed and bound up through the glorious gospel of saving grace that would seek and search them out after the cross and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, the Lord is going to do this. And so Hosea, tell us, when will the Lord do this? And he says in verse 2, Hosea 6 and 2, after two days he will revive us. Notice this, after two days he will revive us. In the third day, in the third day he will raise us up. And we shall live in his sight. What happened in the third day? Well, again, we'll not go into it too much now. But in 676 BC, 676 BC, the last deportment of the northern kingdom of the ten tribes of Israel were carried away, captive into Assyria, then scattered and they began their migration. And after that, and counting from 676 BC, if we take it, even as uh, Peter tells us that a day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, then a day for a year is a day means 1,000 years. So after 2,000 years, something was going to happen. In the third day, during the third thousand years, he says, God is going to raise us up. And what happened? If you take 676 B.C., and you run it right through 2,000 years and the numbers get lower as we get to the year uh, minus one and then you cross over one because there's no year zero. Then you have year AD one, two, three and straight up and you keep carrying right through into the 2,000, the 2000 years are over. It comes to the year 1324 AD and what happened? John Wycliffe, he took and translated the scriptures and he's called the morning star of the Reformation. And this was really the propulsion. Then came Martin Luther, the just shall live by faith. And God started to bind us up. God started to raise us up. And we started to live in his sight again. Those who were scattered and lost. And you and I as sheep gone astray. And you and I as being deep dyed sinners in sin and depravity of our nature. He came by the Holy Ghost uh, through the preaching of his word. And he raised us up. One of the greatest moves of the Holy Ghost since the day of Pentecost was at the Protestant Reformation. Can we see this third day, the importance of it? This is all prophetic and God had foretold this. 
Another one or two, and we'll close. Thank you for your attention. In Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37, and we're overviewing, if you want to mark it, you can read it, you'll know the story of it. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Christ is talking about the man going to Jericho. And the thieves came upon him and beat him. And we know that the Good Samaritan comes after a priest and a Levite comes. And, and he comes and sets the man on his beast, pours in the oil and the wine and takes him to the innkeeper. And we're told in verse 35, Luke 10 and verse 35. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out, notice, two pence. And gave to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, whatsoever thou spendest more. When I come again, I will repay thee. Now take note of this. He says, here's two pence. And when I come again, if I owe you any more. In other words, it may not just be directly two pence. The whole two pence is finished and I'm at your door. He says, when I come back, you don't know the day. You don't know the hour. But when I come back, Jesus says, and the two pence are spent. He says, if the two pence are spent and I'm into the third pence, I will pay you it when I return again that third day. Notice this. Just to level this out. In Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16, the Lord Jesus tells a parable of laborers in the vineyard, and the laborers were paid a penny a day. A penny a day. So two pence was for two days. Notice this. Two pence was for two days. Now Peter 2 and th- Verses 3, pardon me, Peter 2, 2 Peter 2, chapter 3 and verse 8 tells us, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that a day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So if we have two pence, it's two days. Two days is two thousand years. And Jesus is saying it's a penny for those thousand years, which represents a day. One thousand years from I'm gone. Two thousand years from I'm gone. Christ has delayed his coming. He's put us to shame. And the church are starting to wane. And the church are starting to be so discouraged because Jesus didn't come in the year 2000. That's how he worked it out. And Jesus says, if I owe you what, I will pay you when I come back. It's coming again and we're in the third day already. We're in the third day already. That's the importance of the third day. His presence will come down. Skies will go back like a scroll. And every eye shall see him. Now also what's pierced him. In Exodus 19, this marriage happens. Forty days later, the people had strayed and committed adultery by Exodus 32. These be thy gods, O Israel. Forty days, forty is a number of trial and testing. How quickly we have fallen. How soon we have forgotten the Christ that bought us. Up, make us gods, they said, which shall go before us. We're told they changed the truth of God into a lie by forming the golden calf. 
Romans 1 and verse 25, Paul says he changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. It's all about my feelings now. It's all about don't hurt my feelings. Preach smooth things. It's all about tell me soft stories. It's all about little illustration. It's all about take it easy and don't rock the boat. I'm God of my own life. And I've seen them walking through and I've seen a, a friend of Allison and I and the girls met in, a, in the States. He's a, he's a football coach. And he's out and he stands outside abortion clinics. And he's been spat at and beat up and put in prison just for standing and preaching the gospel in the States. And there he was among them all. And he was crying out to them, Are there any men? And the men that were there were turning around and so effeminate. And they were saying, I'm a man. He says, no, you're a male. He says, real men, real men follow Christ. And they're serving the creature rather than the creator. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 18 and 8, about a second coming when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. You find all sorts of faith in the earth. But will he find the faith once delivered unto the saints? And Deuteronomy 32 and 1 says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, they were impatient, were told that they doubted, they waned in faith, and they were tired. Second Peter 3 and 3 tells us, knowing this, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Even the church are saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Brother, sister, don't think that he will make you ashamed. He has a hope. That maketh not ashamed. Christ is coming. We're in the third day. And he's coming for his bride. And we will be married unto him. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. The bridegroom. Behold the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Have you got your garments ready? Have you got your wedding garment on are you set apart from the world are you set apart from the things of the world the lust of the world the love of the world are you set apart waiting for our glorious bridegroom to come he says I'm coming down tell the people in three days here's two pence if I owe you anything when I come again I will repay you He's no disappointment. People rose up to play and they partied. 
They cared not for, for the Lord. And they partied and they worshipped other gods. As if there was no God. As if there was no Red Sea splitting. As if there was no pillar of fire. Pillars of cloud. As if there was nothing. As if there was no plagues of Egypt. and As if they were never brought out by the simple faith and belief in the blood of the Lamb. That when I see the blood, I will pass over you. They forgot all about it. May God help us, church. May God help our nations. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Tomorrow night and the next night, we're going to look at things in the Bible that have shown us. Look what's happened. Look what's happened. And this is what's happening. What time is it? It's time to seek the Lord.